And here we are. It is Monday. There are big events over the weekend in the Republican election race. We'll get to that. We will also get to the Democratic debate between an old corrupt woman and a crazy old socialist loon bag who screams at the moon. So much coming up here on a very full Ben Shapiro show. I am Ben Shapiro. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Alrighty, so before we start, I just want to welcome a new advertiser to the Ben Shapiro Show, and everybody should get involved with them. I've known about them for a really long time, and I'm really flattered they've decided to advertise with us. Of course, this is how we pay for our, our wonderful set and our beautiful screens and, and our wonderful staff and all the illegal immigrant laborers we bring over here on day permits before sending them back home and building a wall. So Reagan.com is the name of this particular advertiser. And they want you to know that your privacy is under attack. And clearly it is. I mean, with all of the Snowden revelations, it's clear that there are a lot of people out there who are interested in your personal information, not just foreign governments and domestic governments, but also various private groups and private companies all over the United States. Big tech companies have been scanning your emails, targeting you with unwanted advertising and government agencies collecting data at amazing, alarming rates. Well, you can take back your privacy by getting a your name at Reagan.com as your private email address. You can share President Reagan's name with every email you send, which is super cool, and you know your emails will never be scanned. They will never be scanned or shared with third parties ever, ever, ever. So go to reaganprivacy.com right now, secure your personal private email address, and then get two free bonus months at reaganprivacy.com. So very cool service, and very excited to bring it to you, and very excited to be associated with reagan.com. Okay, so over the weekend, a big election happened on, on Saturday, a couple of primaries, a couple of caucuses, and it basically split down the middle between Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. Cruz actually ended up with more delegates than Trump did in these various states. It was Kansas and Kentucky and Louisiana and Maine. And then there was the Puerto Rico primary that happened on Sunday, and that one Marco Rubio won. So Rubio will stay in the race in all likelihood until Florida. But Trump and Cruz are the ones who are sort of going head-to-head right now. Trump, obviously, is the odds-on favorite still to be the nominee, and we'll get to that in just a second. But Donald Trump did get out, uh, outvoted by, by Ted Cruz, and there are a couple of states this week uh, that, are, that could be dicey for the Donald. And the latest polls from Michigan show that he's in sort of a, a competitive race with not only Ted Cruz, but also with Ohio Governor John Kasich. And then there's also a Missouri and a North Carolina election happening on Super Tuesday. So lots going on. Basically, here's how it breaks down. Donald Trump, in order to win the nomination, has to win 54% of the delegates for the rest of the time. It's plausible. Plausible. And then you have Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has to win about 63%. So, depending on what happens Super Tuesday, this race could shift very quickly. The best option for those of us who really don't want to see Trump as the nominee would be for Rubio to win Florida, Kasich to win Ohio, and then both to drop out and endorse Cruz. The reason that's better than Cruz dropping out and endorsing Rubio is that half of Cruz's votes would probably go back to Trump. The same is not true for Rubio. There are no Rubio voters who go to Trump. There are no Kasich voters who go to Donald Trump in all likelihood. So that's how it would work out if people were smart. They're not, so it probably won't work out that way. Donald Trump is telling fibs, however. He went on national TV after his big win. It, wasn't a, it was actually not a good day for him on Saturday. But he came out and he said that Marco Rubio, it was time for Marco Rubio to drop out. I think Marco... Marco Rubio had a very, very bad night, and personally, I'd call for him to drop out of the race. I think it's time now that he drop out of the race. I really think so. I think it's probably time. You know, I don't think tonight he can get up and rant and rave and, oh, he did great. He comes in third. He comes in fourth. Every time he comes in third or fourth, he says, you've got to be able to win. And he has not been able to win, and I think it's time that he drops out. I would love to take on Ted one-on-one. That would be so much fun. Because Ted can't win New York. He can't win New Jersey. He can't win Pennsylvania. He can't win California. I want Ted one-on-one, okay? Okay, so that's a lie. He doesn't want Cruz one-on-one. He wants the field to continue to splinter so that he can run up the middle with 35 to 40% of the vote. That's his ideal. By the way, Cruz would win California. Cruz would lose in New York. Cruz would be competitive in Pennsylvania, and Cruz would lose in New Jersey. That's how that would work out. Because Cruz right now in the polls in California is actually beating Trump and beating him rather solidly. One of the lies about California Republicans is that we're a bunch of left-wingers. The truth is Orange County Republicans are very heavily conservative. Republicans in the state of California look actually more like Texas Republicans than they do like New York Republicans. That's just the fact of the matter. So Trump says he wants Rubio out. Rubio, of course, 
won what we like to call now the Rubio Gold. He came in fourth or third in all the other states. So that's the Rubio Gold. Um, and uh, Ted Cruz says he wants Trump head to head too. So they want each other mano y mano. They want the, the truth is the reason Trump wants Rubio to drop out now is so that he's assured of winning Florida. That's the real reason he wants Rubio out now. Cruz wants Rubio out now because he's afraid that if Rubio wins Florida, he stays in for the duration. And then it's not Cruz who's the favorite for the nomination anymore. He and Rubio split the vote all the way down to Cleveland. And suddenly it's Trump is the nominee. So here's Ted Cruz saying, I want Rubio out too. Let's do this thing head to head. The only way to beat Donald Trump is for us to continue to unite. If we stand together as one, you know, Donald has a ceiling, I think, of about 25, 20 to 25 percent. Or rather a floor, a floor of 20 to 25 percent. But he's got a hard ceiling, I believe, of 35 to 40 percent. Donald is benefited by multiple opponents in this race because if, if the opposition to him is divided, it lets him win states with a plurality of 35, 37 percent. If we get head to head, head to head, I beat, <coughs> excuse me, if we get head to head, head to head, I beat Donald Trump. And, and this entire process has been a winnowing process. We started with 17 candidates. We're, we're now down to four. But I think that winnowing will continue. It has to be head-to-head. -head. If it's not head-to-head, -head, then the other candidates are increasing the likelihood that Donald Trump becomes the nominee. Okay, so number one, a couple of things to point out here. Ted Cruz is sick. Ted Cruz actually is physically ill. Campaigning is a brutal process. Ted Cruz canceled an event today in Mississippi. We'll see how he is by Thursday. That's when the next debate is. These things do make a difference. Obviously, Rubio in the last debate was clearly sick during the last debate, and he came out afterward. He said he had a cold and the flu, and he was trying to fight his way through it. Somehow, Donald Trump has the constitution of a horse, so he's been fine so far. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the syphilis. I'm just joking. He doesn't have syphilis as far as we know. In any case, Marco Rubio says that he won't drop out. Everyone wants him to drop out, but he won't drop out. By the way, there's a poll breaking just right now that head-to-head, that -head, him versus Trump, they're tied. And in the early votes, Rubio's actually leading. So that makes things interesting. If Rubio wins Florida and Kasich wins Ohio, this becomes a very interesting race very quickly. Rubio said yesterday, no way in the world he drops out. He's staying in. Here's Marco Rubio. Ted Cruz called for his opponents to drop out to make up for Well, of course he did. I mean, everybody that's running asked for somebody to drop out so they can do better, except for me. I've never asked for anybody to drop out. But here's the bottom line. Uh, there will be more delegates awarded in Florida than basically every state that voted tonight combined because it's a winner-take-all state. The states that voted tonight are important. We're going to leave tonight with more delegates than we had yesterday. I've explained repeatedly that this is a proportional process. And every night that we have uh, caucuses like there were tonight in three states, we continue to pick up delegates. Now, there are clearly states in which some of my opponents do better than in other states because it fits a profile that they've targeted. We understood that. We've continued to play the delegate math in this campaign because we understand that this is going to be a very different kind of primary where the delegates are going to count. That's why I'm here tonight in Puerto Rico. That's why we're going to continue to campaign in Florida, but we're also going to go to other states. We want to continue to increase our delegate total, and the map only gets friendlier for us after tonight and after Super Tuesday. We knew this would be the roughest period in the campaign given the makeup of the electoral map. Okay, so here's the deal. The new poll shows, Monmouth poll, Trump 38, Rubio 30, Cruz 17, right? And it's important to note, in Virginia, Louisiana, Kentucky, and Kansas, Trump's lead was overstated by double digits. So it's really possible we're looking at a dead heat. Apparently, according to Mark Caputo's reporter, he says 600,000 Florida Republicans have already voted early, and Rubio leads Trump 5 to 1 among those voters. So that means he's up by 150,000 votes over Trump, if that math is correct. So this is still a wide-open race. That's actually an amazing thing. Rubio apparently leads Trump 48 to 23 among the nearly one in five voters who have already cast their ballots in the early vote state. So that's a big deal because Trump has been winning early voting but losing late-breaking votes. You could see the same thing happen here. So this, this race begins to change very dramatically. Rubio right now is just trying to hold on until Florida. He's been bashed about by the media. And you'll see the difference between Rubio and Trump. The reason that Rubio hasn't done as well as Trump in this race, it'll show the juxtaposition. It's because... Look how Rubio deals with accusations that he's being too vulgar, that he's being too vile with Donald Trump. Here's Dana Bash on CNN going after Marco Rubio for being mean to poor little old Donald Trump, that bloated fat sack of... Anyway, here's Dana Bash. You're the proud father of four. I'm the mother of a four-year-old son. 
And I'm having trouble letting him watch the news because things have gotten so vulgar and so over the top that I don't want him to think that it's okay to act like that. Right. How do you, and I'm not alone. I know a lot of people have said that. How do you feel as a father and a presidential candidate about how low things have gone? Well, I mean, no, but I'll tell you, this is related to the real question. I'm glad you asked it. My kids were on with me on the campaign trail a lot from New Hampshire, to Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Every day when I woke up, I was glad they were there, not just because they were my kids, but because I looked at them and it reminded me, this is what it's about. And, and yes, I think it is one of the things you asked me. I don't want us to have a president that we constantly have to be explaining to our kids, look, I know that's what the president did, but you shouldn't do that. I don't want that. Okay, so there he is being apologetic to Dana Bash about the language that he's using. And that's weak tea. That's real weak tea. What he should say is, first of all, Four-year-olds have no vote, so it doesn't matter. You know, I have a two-year-old, and she was watching. She didn't understand what was going on. And by the way, anybody who has a two-year-old who's had a young kid, your young kid at some point is going to repeat a dirty word, okay? They're just going to do it, and you know what happens? Not much. Just don't reinforce it. Um, but, but, you know, so he, he starts getting apology. The real answer here is Donald Trump dragged us all down into the mud, and you guys covered him. You, the media, covered him with hundreds of hours of tape. You gave him coverage. You celebrated him for being brash and bold. And when any of us respond, you come down on us for being uncivil. That's nonsense. If the only way to beat Trump is the game you set up, which is to punch him as hard as we can, then that's what we'll have to do, I guess. I'd prefer to run a civil race. You guys didn't want us to run a civil race. He doesn't want a civil race. So we're not going to run a civil race. We're going to take him down now. He has to be taken down. Right? That's what he should say. Compare that to how Trump is when, when he's asked about why he keeps talking about the size of his penis. And Trump literally keeps talking about this. I mean, he it, again, today, he's talking about the size of his hands. It, it really gets under his skin when, when people talk about the size of his, of his tiny, feminine little, little child fingers. Here's Donald Trump. And, and notice how he treats this reporter. Here we go. And what about the business of, you know, the other night at the Fox News debate, you seem to talk about, you know, the size of your manhood, if, if I may put it that way, sir. <laughs> sir, I... Sir, some of the, some of the, I, you, you've also, you've also used, let me just ask this because yeah, people, well, I mean, this is the problem the, with reporters. Look, look, but sir, sir, just so you understand, not some, me, somebody else, Marco brought it up. And do you notice, okay, now look, you look at it, what happens isn't to that, Marco. Isn't that not, isn't that not presidential, sir? No, 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 uh, let me get, I didn't bring it up. Excuse me. Somebody else said Donald Trump has small hands. So I said, small hands. These guys know I hit a ball 280 yards. Stand up, my club champion, stand up. Do I hit the ball good? Do I hit it long? Is Trump strong? Huh? So look, so I just simply held up the hands. These are very strong hands and they're fairly large actually. But you know what? It was interesting because, and you shouldn't even bring this up to be honest with you, but it was very interesting because the day after he said that, I'm shaking hands with people and everybody's saying, wow, you have strong hands. You have very big hands. The guy. What happened is Marco just made it up out of nowhere because he's a politician and politicians lie and they say bad things. And if you don't call them out for it, you don't. Now, I didn't bring it up. He brought it okay, up. OK, 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 OK. Hold on a second. This guy says the F word on the campaign trail. He called Ted Cruz a right word for female genitalia. And now he's playing the, the wronged innocent. All of this is silly, right? All of this is ridiculous. And when you hear Donald Trump do this routine, it's really, it's really insulting. You know, I hit this ball 285 yards. You ever seen me? I drive like Tiger Woods. Par fives, I knock it right on the green, two feet from the pin. I'm the greatest golf player you've ever... By the way, he cheats at golf. This is true. He does cheat at golf. Um, but, but Donald Trump, when he says nobody's ever talked about the size of his hands, we've told this story multiple times on the Ben Shapiro show. For 30 years, they've been making fun of the size of his hands. It started in Spy Magazine in 1988, and he's been sending pictures of his own hands to the editor of Spy Magazine ever since, circled in gold Sharpie, and written on it, normal-sized hands, signed Donald Trump. So yeah, this is brand new. But the point is that Trump never apologizes. He never backs down. And because of that, he appears to be stronger than he is, as strong as a man who has big, bare fists that can knock a golf ball 285 yards. What a tough guy, rough guy he is. Okay, so Donald Trump continues to maintain a lead, but it's a little bit more fragile than it has been. And there is indeed hope that he could get beaten in these primaries. If he loses Florida and he loses Ohio, it's going to be incredibly difficult for him to be in a position to win the nomination outright. He's probably not going to get the 1237 delegates that he needs in order to win the nomination outright if he loses Florida and Ohio. And that's why he's trying to push Marco Rubio 
out of the race. So you know, it's, it's, the, the race is certainly heating up. And for those who missed it, folks, I do want to welcome to the program our, our advertiser, Reagan.com. Reagan.com, a great organization. Uh, and uh, and they, well, what you do is you register your email with Reagan.com. Here's how it works. You go to a page that looks like this. You register at Reagan.com. You hit buy now. You get the two free bonus months. That's what they're offering right now, which is a really good deal. And what they do, the reason you're paying for an email address as opposed to just going to Gmail is that they actually protect your privacy. So you've got corporations, you got you got the government, all of them trying to grab your personal information, use it for various purposes. Reagan.com protects your privacy. Plus, you get to use at Reagan.com for your email address, which is super cool if you're a conservative. If you're somebody who believes in the principles of Reagan conservatism, you're not going to find a better deal or a better place to do that than signing up at Reagan.com. Go to Reagan.com, assure your privacy again, two free months. And if you call them up, let them know that you heard about it here on the Ben Shapiro Show, so Reagan.com. Okay, so the other rap on Donald Trump uh, has been not that he's starting to fade, but that he's actually Hitler. So this is the new one. Uh, it's actually a new old one. We talked about this a couple of months ago. The left was saying that Reagan is like Hitler. I've never said Reagan is like Hitler. He's more like Mussolini. Okay, he's not even like Mussolini. Mussolini was an intelligent guy. I, I, that Trump is like Hitler, rather. That, that he, He's not Mussolini. He's not Hitler. He's not an intelligent person. Donald Trump has an IQ of about 105, maybe. And he was born into a really rich family. And the way I can tell his IQ is not only by the fact he speaks at grade level, but also the fact that Donald Trump spells at grade level. If you read his Twitter feed... I think yesterday he misspelled the word paid, P-A-Y-E-D. Now, look, intelligence does not confer wisdom. It doesn't confer moral value. I know a lot of smart people who are terrible human beings and a lot of dumb people who are really good human beings. But Donald Trump is both a dumb person and also not a particularly good human being. So what you're seeing now is people are starting to say, well, Donald Trump is a Hitler figure. You know, He's authoritarian in his approach. He's tyrannical in his approach. He's constantly doing the strongman stuff. You know, whether it's the I hit a ball 285 yards routine or the take these protesters and beat them up, throw them out, beat them up, you know, treat the press like garbage, tell women they ought to be treated like bleep. So what's been happening is that there's been a, a large contingent, a large contingent of white supremacists who have found a love for Donald Trump. They call themselves the alternative right. Now, the alt-right, I think part of it started as an anti-political correctness movement, just people who hate political correctness and to smack political correctness in the face. They just started using all this racist nonsense terminology because they wanted to show that they don't care. They're not going to be cowed into submission. I think that's childish. I don't think you have to use racist terminology in order to show you won't be cowed into submission. I've been fighting political correctness my entire career. It's what I do on college campuses all the time. That doesn't mean you use the word, the N-word, because the N-word is inherently bad. It's an inherently bad word. People shouldn't be using it. It's a terrible word. And you're not conquering the world just by using the N-word. You're, you're just being a jerk. There's a difference between being an offensive jerk and being politically incorrect. Those are not exactly the same thing. Politically incorrect is perhaps American racism, institutional racism, does not have anything to do and does not, not only does not exist, but does not have anything to do with elevated rates of single motherhood in the black community, right? That's politically incorrect. Maybe the reason there are more black people in prison is because there are more black people committing crimes on a per capita basis. That's politically incorrect. Politically, that's politically incorrect. Being an offensive jerk would be those darn N-words are committing crimes, right? That's, that's not just politically incorrect. That's also offensive and nasty and brutish. A lot of the people on the alt-right have crossed that line, and this is their thing. If you go onto their pages, they're full of anti-Semitic tweets and anti-black tweets and Truly racist stuff. Like if you saw it on a Stormfront website, it would fit. Trump has been sort of reaching out to those people. And it's amazing. I mean, you can hear how Trump condemns people he doesn't like. You see it every day. He condemns reporters and he condemns Lion Ted Cruz and Little Marco and and all these various people he dislikes. Right. People, Megyn Kelly bleeding from her wherever. When it comes to white supremacists, suddenly the language seems to go a little bit soft. And that's not because Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Although he certainly has a few racist tendencies, okay? And I'm not just talking about the KKK thing last week. I'm talking about the fact that last week he said a judge had to be biased against him because the judge was Mexican, in a case that had nothing to do with immigration, by the way. So in any case, Donald Trump, he was asked about the support of white supremacists for him, and here's what he had to say. Let me ask you this question. What about the David Duke is saying to his supporters and followers, vote for Donald Trump. White supremacists are saying, vote. do you want those votes? No, I don't want them, and I don't want him to say it. I can't help if he says it, if he says it, but I don't want it, and I don't, I, if he says it, John, if he says it, he says it, okay? Do I want it? No. 
and do you I want, want the supporters? No, in. I don't want anything. I, what do you think of white supremacists, by the way? I don't like any group of hate. Hate groups are not for me. But I've said this before. The press hates me to say it. They just don't want to pick it up. Okay, this is this is weak tea, right? This is weak tea. I'm sorry, it just is. The whole, I you know, but if he says it, he says it, and there's nothing I can do. You know, the, where's the, where's the hardcore condemnation? He says I, he he doesn't want to be associated with with hate groups. Hate groups are not for me. <laughs> hate groups are not for me. How about hate groups are evil? How about the KKK is an evil organization that promotes evil things and did evil things to people and still does evil things to people? How about that? And just so you know, okay, David Duke, it was funny. There are a bunch of people who are saying David Duke never endorsed Donald Trump. Okay, so last week, last Friday, I wrote a column about what we discussed last Thursday, which was, would I ever vote for Donald Trump? And I said last Thursday, no, I, I would never, never vote for Donald Trump. And I'm, I'm getting a lot of mail about it and a lot of tweets. Well, aren't you handing the election to Hillary? No, I'm not handing the election to Hillary, okay? I'd vote for anyone else, but I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton. And the reason is because I'm not going to see somebody like Donald Trump pervert conservatism and the Republican Party and tear down everything I have spent my entire life building. Okay, I've helped build a perception of conservatism that is real, that it's non-racist, that it's not xenophobic, that it's not sexist, that it's not bigoted, that it's a good, solid, philosophical foundation for a decent society. And then Donald Trump comes along and he blows it all out of the water with one candidacy. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to partake in that. I'm not going, first of all, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. He's going to get blown out by Hillary. Blown out. Okay, it's not going to be close. If he's the nominee, she will blow him out. She will beat him by 10 points at the very least. All of his vulnerabilities play directly, play directly to her. So Hillary is the least popular candidate in American history, except for Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton is the most corrupt presidential candidate in American history, but Donald Trump is also corrupt, so she can hit him with that. Hillary Clinton has flipped on every position. So has Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton's an elitist. So is Donald Trump. And the, uh, nothing that, that he can say about her, she can't reverse back on him. In any case, you know, they, they, there are all these white supremacists, these alt-right people who have come out in favor of Donald Trump. And there he says, you know, the hate groups are not for me. People are saying, well, no, it's not his fault if the hate groups back him. People were even saying David Duke at the KKK didn't even support Trump. So last week, I wrote this piece about why I'm not voting for Trump, because he destroys conservatism, and I'm not going to partake in that. I'd rather lose this election and win in four years with somebody truly conservative then win with Donald Trump and watch as he destroys conservatism. And I'll tell you another reason for that in a second. The idea that David Duke has not endorsed Donald Trump, by the way, is, is ridiculous. Of course he has. The minute I wrote that column, I get these tweets from David Duke. Right, this one came from David Duke last Friday. This little chosen one is really on the warpath against Trump. Mr. Trump, all caps, never forget, quote, masters of deception. Right, I'm a master of deception because I'm a Jew. Right, and also... Never forget. See, we used to use never forget in, in a different context, but he uses it in the context of Mr. Trump, never forget who offended you. Here's another one from David Duke. This is what they allowed to represent white America on a national mainstream level. Hashtag give me special privileges. And then it's a picture of me with an Israeli flag, and it says Jewish supremacist. Jewish supremacist. I don't know what the hat's supposed to be. It's like an Amish hat. It's not even like a Jewish black hat. I don't even know what it's supposed to be. And then it says stupid goy, think, think I'm white. Okay, I don't know why it says think twice, except that David Duke is a low IQ. He's a he's a POS, okay? David Duke's a, 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 but he's a deeply stupid person. It's always funny to me, by the way, when white supremacists with low IQ talk about their racial and genetic superiority. Like, David Duke, okay, the guy has the IQ of a muffin, and he's going around talking about his genetic and racial superiority. Yeah, right. Okay, so then he says, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Goldman Sachs, and the Zionist oligarchs. Right, Ted Cruz is a Zionist oligarch who's in, in hock to the evil people at Goldman Sachs. Okay, so David Duke, no, 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 he's not a Trump supporter at all. He just did that directly in support of Donald Trump when I tweeted at him. Okay, so do I? Th so, so there are certain people who have taken all of this and they have used it at, and they've said, okay, well, Donald Trump is Hitler. Donald Trump isn't Hitler. I'll tell you who Donald Trump is in a minute. But Donald Trump is not Hitler. Glenn Beck, for example, he said on TV on Sunday on ABC News, that, that Trump is a Hitler, a Hitlerian figure. Here we go. The, the people are speaking clearly, and there's two ways to go. Anger and nationalism, which has been done before in history. Uh, and you can go for nationalism, you can go for anger. Trump is Adolf Hitler? Uh, if you look at what's happening in um, with Donald Trump and his playing to the lowest common denominator and to the anger in us, 
you know, Adolf Hitler, we all look at Adolf Hitler in 1940. We should look at Adolf Hitler in 1929. He was a kind of a funny kind of character that said the things that people were thinking. Where Donald Trump takes it, I have absolutely no idea. But Donald Trump is a dangerous man with the things that he has been saying. Now, the GOP is playing unbelievable games right now, trying to make sure they get their way. And they're trying to go for a okay, broker convention. Let me stop it there. That's the relevant I'm portion, that comparing him to Hitler. He's not Hitler. So he has a he does have a solid base of support in communities that, that hate Jews, for example. So uh, Poland, South Carolina showed that of all the the people who have white supremacist support, okay, so the 16% of Trump supporters identified as people who believe that whites are superior in South Carolina. That's significantly more than any other candidate in the Republican field. Okay, that's that's so that's that's problematic. It's problematic. David Duke is problematic. More Muslims, by the way would vote for Donald Trump than any other Republican candidate. Okay, remember when we were told that Donald Trump was Islamophobic because he was trying to ban Muslim refugees and, and, and stop Muslim immigration to the country? Why, you may ask yourself, would Donald Trump be drawing a heavy support from, from the Muslim community, according to the Council on American-Islamic Relations, more than any other Republican? One of the answers is because Donald Trump is perceived as anti-Israel. That's one of the reasons why he's perceived that. Okay, so Donald Trump, is he Hitler? No, he's not Hitler. Okay, who Donald Trump actually is, who Donald Trump actually is, he's the love child of Ross Perot and Pat Buchanan. So if you go back to 1992, we go back to 1992 and you see if you can remember that. I was only eight years old in 1992. So for me, this took a little bit of research, but I remember it vaguely. Pat Buchanan ran against Donald Trump, ran against the, uh, ran against, I'm sorry, uh, George H.W. Bush in the primaries. And Pat Buchanan ran on the basis of a couple of different policy prescriptions. So he, he campaigned as a large, a largely culturally conservative figure, unlike Trump, who stays away from cultural conservatism. But Pat Buchanan talked incessantly about limiting immigration. He talked about multiculturalism being an evil. I agree with that. And then he catered to exactly the same folks that Donald Trump is catering to. So for example, the New York Times, this is what they reported in 1992. Critics and organizations who follow far-right groups say Mr. Buchanan, who has stolen the conservative thunder from the former Klansman David Duke, right, this is 1992, has done nothing to repudiate his most extreme admirers or to distance himself from Mr. Duke. Here's what Buchanan said about Duke. What his views are, I don't really care. I have my own views and I argue from my own vantage point. Does this sound familiar at all? Buchanan won about 2 million votes in the primaries that year. Then he dropped out and Ross Perot, who originally was actually leading a bunch of primaries, he had dropped out. He came back into the race because he felt that HW was too weak. And he campaigned on the back of free trade is bad. We have to stop the sucking sound to Mexico, right? They're taking all of our jobs, the sucking sound to Mexico. We have to stop NAFTA. We have to, we have to stop all of these trade agreements. He pushed progressive taxation. He said he would self-fund his campaign, if you remember. He said he wasn't going to take any money from lobbyists or donors, right? Any, 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 fi any donation bigger than $5, he refused to take. So Ross Perot is basic. Ross Perot and Pat Buchanan put them together and you get Donald Trump. That's what you get. And in 1992... They would have actually beaten George H.W. Bush in the primaries, in all likelihood, if they were one guy. Now they are one guy. Now they are one guy. A, a, a nationalist first, no conservative philosophy to them. Shifting, this is who Trump is, he's now shifting his positions here and there. Hard on immigration, not good on free trade. That's who Trump is. And I, I want to make a, a side point here about some of the people he's appealing to who are not the white supremacists. That's, that's a whole different group. I'm talking now to all the people who are the blue-collar folks that Trump is supposedly bringing into the party. The way he's bringing them into the party is by saying that free trade is bad, that free trade is scary, that free trade made you lose your job. And this is what Trump is saying. And there are a lot of people, and Clavin has said this before, he says we have to understand the concerns of people who are like that, who have lost their jobs. We have to, we have to hear what they're saying. And I keep saying to Drew, and I say, I say it you know, between the shows, I'll say to Drew, what do you expect people to do about that? There is no magic government fix for that other than corporate welfare, right? That's what it is. You know, I'm not, there is no difference to me. There really is no difference between the guy in the inner city who can't get a job and so he's on welfare and he's saying that the country owes him something and the guy who's in the rust belt who lost his job because his company went under and who now suggests that we all have to pay higher prices at the market so that we can pay him a salary to do his, his old job. It's, it's, all, it's all welfare. It's just a form of indirect welfare versus direct welfare. And I'm not of the opinion that because you lost your job, you get to steal money from other people. I'm not of this opinion. 
And that's what tariffs are. Tariffs are stealing money from other people, not from China, not from Mexico. You're stealing money from me as a consumer because I now have to pay more at the pump. I have to pay more wherever I'm going for the product than I would have had to otherwise in order to sponsor you. And that's not something of which I approve. The government forcing me to pay more to pay for you, I don't care if you want to call it tariffs or if you want to call it a tax. It is the same thing. It is the same thing. Okay, so with that point out of the way, now I want to talk about what actually scares me about Trump. Trump is not Hitler. Trump is just a nationalist with no real coherent philosophy who is tough on trade and tough on immigration. He's Ross Perot and Pat Buchanan, a self-funded, out-of-the-box candidate, all rolled into one. By the way, if you don't believe me, Donald Trump and Pat Buchanan and Ross Perot, all of them were members of the Reform Party in 1999. In fact, you can go back to 1999, and uh, we have clip 22. This is, a, this is an old SNL skit. Okay, they let off SNL in 1999 with this skit. I think it's Sherry O'Cherry playing the O'Terry, Sherry O'Terry playing, uh, playing, playing Ross Perot. You'll see. I mean, this was a thing back in 1999. Now, the Reform Party needs a new crazy leader. Well, maybe it'll be Pat Buchanan or maybe Donald Trump, but it sure as hell won't be me. Ah, ah. insane enough for the American people. Now, what we need is a real nutbag. I couldn't agree more. The Pat, American people. Pat, let me finish. Would you let me finish, Pat? <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you gentlemen a few questions. Go ahead. Shoot. Okay, Pat, Yeager, Beaver, I'm going to start with you. Where do you stand on illegal aliens, Pat? Ross, we have a serious illegal alien problem in this country. Foreigners in general are repulsive to me. Whoa, 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 hold the boat. The Donald employs an army of illegal aliens in his many fine Atlantic City hotels and casinos. Sure, they steal and talk funny, but if they're fresh off the burrito boat, they'll work for 15 cents a week. <laughs> okay, we can pause it here. Myself. Okay, so it's, it's, it's not a particularly funny routine, but the point is, this was the bucket, right? The bucket was this sort of populist nationalist bucket with Ross Perot, and Donald Trump and Pat Buchanan. So exactly what I was, I wrote this this morning, then I found this skit, and it was, it was, it reminded me. I mean, is it, that's, that's, that's amazing, right? I mean, these were the same guy, and they've taken over the Republican Party. So does that scare me? That doesn't scare me. What scares, the, the reason that I have a problem with Trump beyond these politics, and I, I won't vote for anyone with the politics of Pat Buchanan. I wouldn't have voted for Pat Buchanan in 1992. Um, the, the, but the reason, and, and by the way, Pat Buchanan was at least significantly more to the right than Trump is on a lot of, on a lot of issues economic issues at home particularly. But in any case, there are two things about Trump that I do find problematic, and it's not that he's Hitler. One of the things that, that, that happened over the weekend was at one of the Trump rallies, Trump asked a bunch of people to raise their hands, right? And, and then he had them give a, a vow, right? He had them vow to vote for him. And this is a video of him doing this. I do solemnly swear... That I, no matter how I feel, no matter what the conditions, if there's hurricanes or whatever. That's good there. enough. We'll vote on or before the 12th for Donald J. Trump for president. Okay, so the reason that this went crazy is because look at that picture, right? He's got his arm outstretched at like a 45-degree angle, and all of his followers have their arms outstretched at a 45-degree angle. And so you have the entire left saying, you know, see Kyle, that this is a Heil-Hitler routine. Okay, first of all, Barack Obama did a lot of the same sort of stuff back in 2008. Uh, Trump is, is doing it routinely on the campaign stump now. But it is the idolatrous worship for Trump that I find problematic. Do not worship politicians. I've said before, there are two problems with Trump. One is Trump himself, and one is his followers. The people who are backing him, not the people who actually just agree with his policies. The people who are worshiping him. He's going to do whatever we want him to do. He's the big man who will save us. I don't care what the presidency is. I don't care what the Constitution is. He's going to save us. That is a problem for the country. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is a problem with Trump himself. And this comes out in this SNL ad. Saturday Night Live did an ad mocking Trump supporters, and here's what it looked like. The media's been saying some pretty negative things about Donald Trump. But what are real Americans saying? The guy's a winner. He's authentic. 
He's the only one who's actually created jobs. He literally wrote the book on negotiating. Trump's an outsider. Washington needs that. I think he can make this country great again. So when people ask why you support Donald Trump, you just tell them. He's going to take our economy from here to here. And I like that. He's not some cautious politician. He says what I'm thinking. I don't know what it is. I just like the guy. Some of his ideas seem a little out there, but I like that he's looking towards solutions. He's definitely not PC. <laughs> so why do I support Trump? Three words. Good at business. A message from racists for Donald Trump. Okay, so the reason that I have a problem with, and I'm not ripping on on SNL here more than I, here's here's my rip on SNL. Okay, first the rip on SNL. They would never do anything like this about Barack Obama and the new Black Panthers. Okay, Barack Obama is just as much of a racist as Donald Trump is in reverse. Okay, so the fact is they have very similar feelings on special interest race groups that deserve a special handout, and and Obama certainly has as many racists who support him on the other side as Trump has who support him on his side. There's certainly as many black racists who support Barack Obama as white racists who support Donald Trump. But the point is this. It's very hard to defend conservatism from this kind of stuff when you've got your chief candidate going out there and going soft on David Duke. Okay, again, these are the two things that, I, I, that make me such a Trump opponent are, one, the, the sense of the great man that he's built up around him that is not a conservative principle, and two, the fact that he's destroying the sense of conservatism. First of all, he's not conservative. Second of all, even beyond being not conservative in any way, shape, or form, he's then say, he's justifying all the worst things that our opponents say about us. And I don't care what our opponents say about us, typically, if they're completely unfounded. But when you go easy on the KKK, I'm sorry, I can't pretend that that's, that's, my, that, that's completely unfounded. I just can't. I can't. Pat Buchanan is, is an anti-Semite. Donald Trump may not be a racist, but he's certainly okay with taking help from them. And, uh, and that's, all there is. that's all there is to it. Okay, so all that being said, there's going to be a backlash now in favor of Trump. Okay, I'm predicting it right now. There will be a backlash because people like me have come out very strongly against Trump, saying we'll never vote for him. And Trump is sort of like a, a supervillain. He's a great political supervillain. He absorbs energy, cast toward him, and then he shoots it out of his fingers like the emperor. So he's going to get he, he's going to refract all the energy directed toward him and use it for his own benefit. So there are two places where he's going to do. One is the media. So this is where the SNL mocking Trump Super Tuesday press conference comes in. You know, SNL did this this routine, and uh, and is it, yeah. Let's fast forward to where we were. There we go. Anywhere in here is fine. Please, sir, please, sir, may I have another? <laughs> I mean, he really is a sad, desperate little potato back there, aren't you, Chris? <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Please, sir, may I have another? <laughs> no. Go get on a plane. Go home. Okay, you got it. Also, P.S. America, I have a great, big, huge dick. <laughs> All right. Now, viewers, I know this is going to be boring, but let's take a quick look at the Democrats. Tonight is shaping up to be a big night for Bernie, but Hillary Clinton scored big on Super Tuesday. Here's a clip of her thanking supporters. Yes, hello. Hello. Thank you. Uh, I'd just like to say... Thank the effing Lord! I won seven states tonight, and to celebrate, I bought myself this brand new Stormtrooper coat. And to everyone who voted for me, thank you for trusting that I, Hillary Clinton, can bring this country together. Just like I brought these ten black people and one Muslim person together behind me tonight for this speech. Okay, so are these people great? They are strong, they're beautiful, and they've all been punched in the nose at a Trump rally. Okay. And okay, so the, but this is the point, right? So the, this is where the backlash comes: is that, that you've got the Trump juxtaposition. Oh, he's a loudmouth, he's a bragger, and then you've got Hillary, and she's robotic. Okay, so far so good, and then she drops that line that Trump's people just want to punch black people, right? And that's and and so the implication all the Trump people are going to get from that is. Media hates us, therefore we have to double down on Trump. Then you have Mitt Romney, who last week gave his speech. We talked about this last week. And 
Mitt Romney is seen as the most establishment guy in the world ripping on Trump, that redounds to Trump's benefit. That helps Trump because if the establishment is attacking Trump, Trump gets to claim he's anti-establishment, even though if you remove all the the quasi-drunken antics from Trump, he looks exactly like Jeb Bush. Here's Mitt Romney talking about how there's no establishment. It doesn't exist. It's all a figment of your imagination. Uh, how about the argument, and again, we heard this from Rush, this is the establishment basically trying to maintain control of a guy and, and, and push back a guy that they wouldn't be able to control. Well, you can't control Ted Cruz, for instance. No one has suggested you could do that. And Marco Rubio, everybody tried to stop Marco Rubio from going against a sitting Republican governor in Florida. He did it anyway and won. Uh, establishment suggests that there must be some Wizard of Oz somewhere pulling the strings. Uh, that's not the way it works. There are individuals like myself. I sat there and watched Donald Trump, and I said, look, someone's got to say something. I didn't talk to anybody and say, I'm going to do a speech. You got some ideas. This is something I did on my own because I care very deeply about the country. I love America. I'm concerned about America, and I believe the heart and soul of conservatives and Republicans recognize that the principles that Donald Trump is talking about have nothing to do with conservatism, nothing to do with keeping America strong. Okay, so the more that Romney talks and the more the establishment talks about a brokered convention, the more angry the Trump people get and the more they feel like, okay, I'm not going to be dictated to by the guy who lost to Barack Obama in 2012. Ben Carson, who should be you know, somewhere doing his laundry, presumably, instead he's hanging out with Katie Couric and he's saying that, that everybody needs to accept the voter choice. If it's Donald Trump, we just need to get over it and accept it. As you know, Mitt, Rom Mitt Romney delivered a withering speech about Donald Trump today, calling him a phony and a fraud, and said he was playing the American public for suckers. What is your reaction to Mitt Romney's speech, Dr. Carson? Well, you know, I would prefer that uh, in the Republican Party, we not engage in attempting to destroy each other, because all that does is hands the election over to the Democrats. Uh, I, I don't know why there's this, this pension for snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory. Uh, it just, they'll find some way to destroy themselves. And it's just, it's maddening to see it happening. So who is snatching defeat? Are you referring to Mitt Romney? Do you feel that he should not have made that speech? I, I, I'm I, yeah, I'm referring to, to anybody who is trying to interfere with the process of determining what the will of the people are. Okay, so the, the will uh, of the people the is. People. But in any case, Ben Carson... Yeah, doing yeoman's work for Trump. And I think there are a lot of people who are who are feeling the way that Carson does. And that is the more opposition there is to Trump, that just shows they're trying to steal it from Trump. Look, I'm not trying to steal it from Trump. Okay, votes are votes. And, and a brokered convention, by the way, is not stealing it from Trump. Brokered conventions have been a tried and true hallmark of, of American politics for 200 years. The idea that if Trump doesn't get the majority of votes, we have to hand it over to him anyway, I don't believe. And I'm happy to use whatever is politically legal to stop Donald Trump the same way that he would use whatever was politically available and legally available to him to declare bankruptcy and, and use money that wasn't his. So, you know, if Donald Trump can do it, then, then certainly so can the Republican Party. But it will create a backlash. And you're going to see that a little bit materialize over the next week as some of the Trump supporters start to get angry that he's not doing as well as they thought he would. OK, so Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders had a debate last night. We're not going to go through the whole thing because most of it was just the usual. But I want to point something out. As the difference, I think, between conservatives and, and liberals, between conservatives and leftists, I should say, the difference between conservatives and leftists is there are conservatives like me who will look at Trump and say, he's not one of us. I'm not going to vote for somebody who's not one of us just because he has an R next to his name. I'm not going to do that routine anymore. I'm not going to slime conservatism with the likes of Donald Trump. Right? I, I tweeted many weeks ago, and I'd said on this show that I would vote for a flaming pile of dog crap before I'd vote for Hillary Clinton. But Donald Trump doesn't just require me to vote for him. He requires me to smear the flaming dog crap all over myself and label myself a Trump supporter. That's what it requires. People say a vote against a, a vote not for Hillary, a vote uh, abstaining from a abstaining from voting for Trump. If you don't vote for Trump, that's a vote for Hillary. Yes, but it's also a vote for Trump. OK, me voting for Trump is a vote for Trump. It's not a vote for anybody else. I can vote against Hillary by voting for a write in. I can do whatever I want. But if you're going to suggest that I have to vote Trump or I'm voting Hillary, well, I'm still voting Trump, and I'm not going to pull the pull the lever on on somebody like Donald Trump. I'm not going to watch as as conservatism becomes a demagogic, idol worshiping philosophy, just like the left. The left, however, is happy doing all of this stuff. All the mainstream politicians on the left are Donald Trump. They just are not as loud and as brash and as ridiculous as he is when when he does his routine. So, for example, Bernie Sanders 
last night. He was talking about white people, right? So I've already said Donald Trump caters to a certain, a certain class of racists. Bernie Sanders does too, but it's on the other side. Here's Bernie Sanders doing this routine. To answer your question, I would say, and I think it's similar to what the secretary said, when you're white, you don't know what it's like to be living in a ghetto. You don't know what it's like to be poor. You don't know what it's like to be hassled when you walk down the street. Okay. When you're white, you don't know what it's like to be poor. This is pure race baiting. Pure race baiting. Right? Can you imagine if Donald Trump got up at a rally and he said, when you're black, you don't know what it's like to have to score the same on the SATs as the rest of us? Which, by the way, is actually true. Right? And for, for most colleges, that's actually true. That, what he's saying isn't even true. Right? This isn't even true. You know, the majority of people on welfare in this country are white. The majority of people under the poverty line in the United States are white. But again, you can race bait on the left and it's just fine. People on the left have no principles, so they'll go along with Bernie Sanders and his socialism or with Hillary Clinton and her lies. They'll go right along with it. But I'm not of the left. I actually believe in a certain set of philosophical principles. Right now, Ted Cruz best mirrors those principles. And the next round, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for whomever appeals those, whoever mirrors those principles best to me. But I'm not going to vote for somebody who uses those principles as a, as a ruse, as a guise, in order to push subversive other principles that, that undermine everything that I believe in. Okay. Now, very quickly, one thing I like and then one thing that I, that I hate. Okay. So the thing that I like, I've, um, I've been going through, Andrew Clavin does his stuff I like, obviously, and I love Drew's show, and I listen to the stuff he likes, and then I tend to buy the books and read them myself. So far, there, I, I've read two books that Drew has recommended that I thought were utter fails. Uh, mostly, mostly I agree with Drew's recommendations, but there are two that I've read that are, that are just complete fails. One is called The Ruins. It's a horror book, and it was I couldn't even make it all the way through. It was, I got halfway through. I read the rest of the plot, and I was very happy that I didn't bother with it. It was terrible, so don't buy that. Sorry, Drew. You're wrong. And the second one was there's a book called The Little Stranger, and it's 500 pages of atmosphere. And Drew, deep down in his heart, is real British. You know, he, he, Drew, Drew sort of wishes he were British a little bit, um, which is what we fought a revolution to stop, damn it. So th this book is it's not a bad book. It's just not a phenomenal book. It, it keeps your interest, but Stephen King had said that it keeps you up at night. No, no, this did not keep me up for one single solitary second. It's supposed to be a scary ghost book. No, no, it's just, no, it really is just basically like a Jane Austen novel with a couple of suicides. That's pretty much what it is. It ain't great. Okay, so the thing I do like is he recommended, I'm not going to smack Drew without at least patting him on the back for this one. He recommended the book The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, about two-thirds of the way through that, and it is very enjoyable. It is a good book. Okay, things that I hate. Oh, also, I'll talk about this after I've seen the whole thing. I started watching, Amazon did a version of Macbeth with Michael Fassbender, and, uh, and I'm watching that now. I'll let you know if it's any good. Marion Cotillard also, good cast, so we'll see if it's good. Okay, things that I hate. So Nancy Reagan passed away over the weekend. And, um, and Nancy Reagan was perhaps the last apolitical first lady. Barbara Bush was pretty political. Hillary was certainly political. Laura was kind of apolitical, actually, so that's not completely fair. But Nancy Reagan uh, was, was a pretty apolitical figure, big defender of her husband's. She passes away, and... If, if ever there's going to be a figure in politics, you figure we'll get a nice set of obituaries, it'd be Nancy Reagan. I mean, her big thing back in the 80s was don't do drugs, right? That was her big thing, was dare, right? It was, it was don't do drugs. I remember the tail end of it. So what happens? The Washington Post ran a, the, the, the Washington Post trashed her with an obituary. They trashed her with this obituary. I mean, really trashed her. So first of all, there's a bunch of stuff on Twitter, all the, all the usual nasty people, but Washington Post had a lady named Lois Romano who went with this as her opening paragraph in the obit for Nancy Reagan, who died in 94 over the weekend. Nancy Reagan had an undeniable knack for inviting controversy. This is her opener. This is her opener. There were her extravagant spending habits at a time of double-digit unemployment, a chaotic relationship with her children and stepchildren that could rival a soap opera plot, and the jaw-dropping news that she had insisted the White House abide by an astrologer when planning the president's schedule. This was her opener to Nancy Reagan died. Okay, this is how the left operates. There are certain people on, listen, I, I'm not somebody who believes in the whole let the body cool off before you talk about who they were. When Teddy Kennedy died, I was fine with talking immediately within 10 seconds about how he would be burning in hell for what he did to Mary Jo Kopechne. Like, I have no problem saying that about bad people. When Yasser Arafat died, the world was a significantly better place when Yasser Arafat died. The world's a better place with Yasser Arafat not on it. When Jimmy Carter dies, I'm going to be talking immediately about how Jimmy Carter 
was a bad person who used to hang out with terrorists and still does hang out with terrorists and an anti-Semite to boot. Now, I'm not somebody who's politically correct about this sort of stuff, but Nancy Reagan, for God's sake. I mean, first of all, anything here, all this, none of this is political stuff. Okay, none of this is political stuff. I mean, this is, she, she wasn't even as, as political as Michelle Obama, and it would be inappropriate to go after Michelle Obama after, God forbid, Michelle Obama dies. I mean, Michelle Obama's done a lot of political stuff, but I mean, come on, really? That's how you would open? Just, it, it demonstrates, and, and who greenlit that? That was the obit that the Washington Post greenlit? Amazing. And Romano also wrote, the glamour soon was seen as ostentation during a steep recession. After complaining that the White House residential quarters were in disrepair and noting she could find no matching set of China in the place, Reagan turned to affluent friends to raise funds for $800,000 in renovations and $200,000 of new China. Although no public money was spent, these two expenditures became symbols of her excesses and attitudes. No public money was spent. Zero. But that goes into her obit. So never, there's nothing too low for the left. And folks, this is why I'm not of the left. I think there are things that are too low for the right. I think that there are two things that are, that are too egregious for the right. I think there are policies that we don't embrace. So here's the deal. Donald Trump, right now, he's leading. Hopefully, he'll start to collapse. But we're going to have to have a serious conversation inside the conservative movement about what we stand for. And we don't change our message based on what we think is victory. Okay, If we just change our message based on what we think is popular, we might as well be Democrats. Because I can tell you the most popular message of all, free crap for everyone. Right? If we want to win, we can just run on free crap for everybody. But if we're going to actually stand up for principles, I need to know what those principles are. Otherwise, you're not going to earn my vote. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 